Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash arsenal and cover just the postage of £4.95 and, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Footballistically Arsenal podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52, in case you didn't know, are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time, the power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. It's easy. So just go to www.beer52.com slash Arsenal to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, the Footballistically Arsenal podcast listeners get two extra free beers. Yes, they do. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. We don't have any uh, sidekick, sidekick Josh today um, due to circumstances beyond our control, but... I've got three iconic Arsenal fans instead. Nick True Hello. is here. Hi, Nick. Uh, famous for uh, your banners. Correct. Arsene Knows. And George Knows. And George Knows. Maybe we'll talk about George later. We'll talk about George later. We were both at the same glamorous event last week, the uh, London Football Awards. We were. We'll talk about that. Um, Dean, AFC Camden, is here. Tens of thousands of followers. How many followers on Twitter, Dean? 
Oh, I've not checked. Oh, anyway, it's like, what is it? 90? Round it up to 100. 100? 100,000? Yeah. Big, huge. <laughs> and all because he once was in the know. I mean, many, a few times. I'm, I'm, I'm being cheeky. Uh, welcome, Dean. <laughs> Dean knows. And Red Action Raymond is back. Hello, Hello. Raymond. Hello, Boyd. Who was at um, a meeting last week, I saw from your Twitter feed, in which an official VAR meeting with the mysterious people from Stockley Park. Is that correct? That is correct. I love saying Stockley Park. I mean, everyone likes saying Stockley Park. It's one of the only positives of VAR for me. Perhaps the other positive came on the, in the game on Saturday. We'll talk about that in a minute, obviously. But I'm fascinated to know what happened at said meeting. Um, we're going to talk about VAR, we're going to talk about the virus. We're all here. Thanks, everyone, for coming to this small social gathering because I watched the press conference today with um, Boris Johnson and one of the government experts, I think the government expert, said that small social gatherings are worse than big ones. So he's like, no, we don't want to ban 60,000 people going to football, but going to pubs and, you know, six, five people in a small room together, as we are now, six even, um, is, is, is bad. But anyway, we don't care about that. We're here. I'm going to start with... Uh, what I think is a great stat I, I discovered today, looking at the league table, I don't know if any of you can predict what I'm about to say, but after Manchester City lost 2-0 yesterday to Manchester United, and after our glorious victory, we have lost fewer games this season than Manchester City. We have lost six, Manchester City have lost seven. Good stat. How about that? What's the Arteta? Now, obviously, that's Arteta. Well, there so, See, I mean, various things are true. I, one is we've drawn about 13 games, and they, they mostly win, or they've, they've lost those. So we've, we are the draw specialists. But Arteta's win, win percentage is pretty good. His win percentage is 53.3, as opposed to Jose Marino's 44, down to 44. And Ancelotti, a few weeks ago, Everton fans were tweeting me, saying, oh, you know, we got Ancelotti, no, 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 we're brilliant. But theirs is down to 41 so his win percentage is up. We've had, I think yesterday was lucky. But the bigger picture is, my qu- opening question is, was the game against West Ham, which we, I think we, so to say we were lucky to win, didn't have many shots on target, two I think, and it was six, seven shots in all, and West Ham had more chances. Is that kind of victory indicative of the way that, you know, a big team grinding out a 1-0 victory? Or is it more worrying? And is it kind of, is it actually that we're, pl- we're reverting a bit back to the Emery style and we're not kind of actually working out how to attack properly and the emphasis is on defence a bit? What's your feeling, Raymond? Well, we're a bit better at the back. Everyone can see that. But we're just still lacking that fluency going forward. And we're still waiting for the next game to get going and really produce and be exciting, create loads of chances and, you know, get a couple of goals. The goal difference is still only plus four, talking about the number of defeats, but the goal difference yeah. in, in the middle of March is still only plus four, which is a worry. Um, and I keep waiting for the next game, for the next game, that'll do it. We're showing improvements at the back, but I'm still waiting. But the results are there. We've just got to find some fluency, find some more goals, make us better to watch. Do you think the... I mean, he's, he's definitely improved us at the back, hasn't he? I mean, that feels... Undeniable, you know, more clean sheets. Um, even though we were lucky against West Ham, we are conceding a few. I mean, it got to the point, didn't it? Uh, you know, midway through the season, before we made the big change, that I think we were at, we were getting really embarrassing. Like we were conceding, you know, twenty five, thirty shots to fairly middling teams. So I feel it, but there's definitely an issue, isn't there, with with the attack? And it's weird because we've got so many. I, I can't put. I think it's a mystery to, to some extent. Can you put your finger on why we can't string together more chances? And more shots. I think one of our biggest problems is <clears throat> Bamiang on the left. Right. 
Which he's persisting with. And I understand he wants to get Nketiah into the team and Lacazette and Abameyang playing together. But if you've got a 30-goal-a-season man in your side, in your squad, you play him at centre-forward and then you fit other people around him, I think that would be a pretty quick fix to just, you know, potentially create more chances because he's going to stretch the back line. He's a complete threat. <sighs> Defensively, I don't think we've been amazing, but, you know, we've got pretty you know, pretty poor defenders, let's be honest. I think there's yeah. a personnel issue there. But what I've just enjoyed with Arteta is, you know, there's a bit more fight, there's a bit more spirit. You know, Saturday we were lucky. You know, West Ham had a fair few more chances than we did. But, you know, it's weird. You don't really want to judge people based on, like, something like this. But Arteta's just got a bit more about him. And I feel like the oh, players yeah. can see that as well mm. compared to Emery. And, look, we've got to give him as much time as possible to build his own squad players that can play in the way that he wants to play before really judging, you know, how the team is going to perform long-term. But, yeah, defensively, we need better players. Up front, just get Aubameyang down the middle. I'm pretty sure that will have an immediate impact uh, and then fit players around him. But, Nick, he seems completely... I mean, I think the contrast with Emery is so interesting in many ways because... Emery ended up tinkering constantly, didn't he? Like with the formation and the selection and he, was tr- he would try, you know, all kinds of different things. And it became quite painful, for, I think, for us fans oh, yeah. to, to discern any kind of structure or tactic. Whereas Arteta, right from the start, I think, brought in this formation, which ends up with like, you know, five defensively, you know, in certain situations when they're on the attack and when we're on the attack, five, that line of five going forwards. And he has persisted with Aubameyang on the left and not in the middle up front. And, and I don't see any indication he's going to change his mind on that. And in fact, he slots in whoever, Nketiah yeah. or, or whoever, Lacazette, like okay. in that central position. So my question to you is, it's interesting, isn't it, that he's gone... Has he, uh, is he erring almost now too much on the side of stability and imposing a structure because it's, not, it's now actually slightly stifling us in the tank, maybe? I'm not... Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit more positive than that. Yeah. Um, I normally am, if you remember. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, but the Emery, um, it was just, it was just horrible, wasn't it? That, yeah. that was the worst in my lifetime. <laughs> so I think it's a, a lot better. I'm, 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 I'm a bit posi- I'm positive. Uh, I was with a West Ham fan actually during the game, and he was saying at one point, "Oh, you've got about sixty percent of the." And I looked at my uh, stats; it was eighty mm. at the time. Oh yeah. So you know, okay, they had the better chances. That's fair. But, you know, football is all about the old... Anything can happen. And, you know, some of those chances, they were a bit lucky how they came through as well. So, okay, it was was a lucky win, but we controlled the game. Um, I'm okay. I thought Enketia, sadly, was too lightweight. So I'm not convinced about him. It's great. We love the song. I love Eddie. I love love the idea of him. I really hope he comes good. Um, But for me... When Lacazette came on, the whole thing changed, and yeah, I, th- I, I thought, thought I thought the the goal was coming, mm. and um, uh, I quite liked the VAR thing actually because it was sort of quite exciting. We actually got something our way. So, asking, uh, responding to your original yeah. question, my view is that um, the problem right now for me, more than anything else, is the number ten, uh, and I, I love us. Or I think you know, I, I, sometimes he does some beautiful things in a game. But right now, that's the problem. That's the reason why it's not happening for me. It's not the defence is you know we haven't got good enough players. Saliba's coming. He looks really exciting. Uh, they call him the Mbappe of uh, centre half. So he he's coming. <laughs> do they? They they no, do. No pressure. They do. Yeah. <laughs> his, his, um, what's Santetti? His family or or well, a just, just the, 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 the Santetti Sente- oh, oh, okay. fans say that. Okay. And they got to a final, I don't know if you know yeah, that, yeah, first yeah. in... So, mm. so for me, Ozil is the problem. Interesting. We, and we don't have a number 10, and that's what we need, for me, more than anything else. 
I might. I mean, I slightly agree with you. And in fact, fact, I I was going to bring up a Fabregas or a. Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that on um, Saturday, in the first half, I I I didn't. You know, I generally got to the point halfway through, or towards the end of the first half, where I'd forgotten he was on the pitch. I absolutely Mm. had forgotten. I think he he improved a bit in the second half, and of course, he did create the assist. His first assist, second assist of the season, maybe first. I mean, you know. But the first half, he was—I just was not getting anywhere near the ball. And in fact, looking at the stats, I think Sabayas made twice as many passes as he did. Now maybe Sabayas was in a more—you know—was in a more kind of central role, a more the role did, where he had. I to. thought he did really well, Sabayas. Yeah, I thought he had a yeah, good game. I yeah, he really did a lot. Like, but I, like there a, I, th- I do feel—I do agree with Nick that there's an issue with those, like because. Actually, we're not. When, this formation isn't built around him. He's kind. It's kind. He's kind of like slightly. I feel he slightly slows everything down a bit. I mean, I've always felt that a little bit, but particularly in this formation where the speed of thought and the and you have to kind of. It feels like very slow. It's reverted to the slowness, and I feel he's partly responsible for that or, or, or incorporating him into this formation. What do you? I think he's a big problem. Mm. Um, my concern now that after an assist is that he's going to get picked for Man City away. I know we'll probably talk about that game in a little bit. Yeah. But I'm sure. Yeah. He'll be picked for that and he'll be absolutely anonymous again for 90 minutes. Um, I think you could argue that Sabaris is one of our form players at the moment and you could argue that um, he's creative and if he was to push further forward and he could play uh, in the Ozil role mm. uh, because I just don't think that Ozil is effective and, and, and contributing almost nothing obviously uh, assist on Saturday notwithstanding but I think that was the, f- the stats first one in open play i.e. not a corner or a free kick in over a year in the Premier League um, and it's he's, not, sc- he's it? not scoring so I mean I'm no yeah. fanboy by any, by any stretch but he's in there on reputation I, I don't think anyone could argue with that Dean, there was a moment in in, in the uh, I think it was in the first half where he had a, he was in the penalty area and he had a pretty good Chelsea. chance and, he, and he, just, he just didn't shoot and and I think he just feels I don't know it just feels like he'd reverted to a kind of safe safety yeah. policy as a and, we, and that, his in his position his role that's the last thing we need we need he's supposed to be the one he's like the quarterback he's the person yeah. that, that that position that and number ten at, is you want someone who's going to make something yeah. happen and I think what's interesting if you look at the other t- if you look at the way City and Liverpool and you know play you know they don't have anyone like him you know who's not impacting on these games so they have the opposite of him if you like it's like this thing has become a bit of an obsession he would rather pass and you know shoot yeah. from six yards out and score a goal which yeah. is you know you want a player the ultimate the best feeling of a football player is to score a goal right you'd think um, but he seems to get more joy out of assisting obviously he's not the player he was three or four years ago I think after he got that big contract he lost 10 or 15% which is not really recovered since I think long term we need to think about how we're going to replace him I think a really quick win for Arsenal, and it sounds very basic, is just to get a Bamiang into that number nine position up front. But do, Play- where's, the, where's the sign he's going to do that, though? If, it's, if he's gone this long without doing that, he yeah. seems very wedded to not doing that. I know. Do you think he is going to do that? You don't want him to make a rod for his own back and kind of become overly stubborn with it. But I think if you've got a 35 goal, you know, 30, 30 goal a season man, you play him in the number I agree nine with position. You, but- I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful Arteta <laughs> seems like a very intelligent man, yeah. and I think he will soon learn that. Whilst Lacazette scored on the weekend, I think we'll all agree that he's not been amazing this season. And Ketia is a bit lightweight. I think you. Could I agree with Nick that we look much better when Lacazette came on, more powerful. Yeah. I think so, but we went almost like two up top, and it was a bit yeah. more direct, wasn't yeah. it? And we went to, to, to try and score he, he a goal. Holds the ball up he does. Strong. He, he looks does like a yeah. boxer, doesn't he? But he doesn't score enough goals for a number yeah. nine. So uh, you know, I think get number nine uh, up there. You know, I agree with you and Ozil. Probably he's, not, he's a very good player at home. He's well, I don't know if he's that anymore either. But um, he was always good at home. He's never been great away from home. The sensible decision on Wednesday is to maybe fill 
fill the midfield with Guendouzi, put Ceballos a bit further forward, but you know, it remains to be seen. But I think just a quick win for Arsenal is to get Aubameyang into the middle. Seems very basic. I've been calling for it for about two or three weeks now. Yeah. Um, so let's hope. Right. So, so my idea on that would be, so when yeah. Tierney, Tierney is not far away, so yeah. if we can get Tierney, Tierney back to left back, uh, move Saka then to left wing, you've then got an opportunity to put Aubameyang in the middle. I don't, mm. I don't know if it sounds, you could also put, sounds too good to be true, no, no, no. but that's what I'm thinking. I think you could also put Martinelli there on the left as well. Mm. I'd like to see him. I, I feel he's like suddenly become... Yeah, like, what do you think's happened there? He's just kind of been weird, pulled back very quickly. Yeah, yeah. like mm. he doesn't come on as a sub. He'll bring Willock on. I think he did bring Willock on, didn't he, on, on, on yeah. Saturday? And even the second substitution... Oh yeah, Lacquer came on. I feel like Martinelli isn't getting much of a chance in the league at all, is he? And I feel like he was so mm. thrilling. I don't know, he's young. He he's didn't 18. come on until extra time against Olympiacos either, did he? No. And right. he made an impact immediately. Yeah. I thought he was well, really we good. Could. And yeah. we scored. Yeah, he was um, great at Chelsea. He was great. Well, I think I maybe it's just trying to like, protect him from like. I'm assuming overuse. so. I assume so, yeah. We've been burnt there many times right. before. But like, e- equally, Zaka's yeah. playing every single fucking game. Now, I know, you know <laughs> right now point. he kind of has to because of various injuries. That's a good point, yeah. But he must be, you know, exhausted, still doing brilliantly. I thought he still had a, you know, he's, started the move for the goal didn't yeah. he he was doing all that I think if they could give him a rest they would but yeah. with Kolasinac yeah. and Tierney out I don't think they've got any choice no, 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 so fair enough yeah. maybe he deserves a break back. and maybe then when Tierney is fit he might have the opportunity to have a rest rather yeah. than playing left wing but. but not to but going back to my very first question again when I was talking about the comparison with Emery and I'm not you know I'm not doing an Alan Algo tweeted over the weekend about you know about how people are saying people will be will being overly harsh to Emery. I'm paraphrasing because he's deleted the tweet. But and you know if this if that performance had been under Emery, everyone would have been furious. Has he had three transfer windows? Right, no, he hasn't. Yeah, I think but, it's a but, very but, quick. But, but what is interesting, I think we're starting to see the pattern. For you know him, I'm going to use the word stubbornly sticking to. Yeah, the 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 um, Aubameyang out wide ish, you know, and not doing what you want him to do, and I think probably what most fans want him to do is interesting, isn't it? And I and I think and I can see and I can mm-hmm. see the reason for it. I feel like he must have saw the rabble that we've turned into. <laughs> I thought I've got to give them a clear a clarity, and I think if he suddenly changes, he must feel well. That suddenly I, I thought I was saying about substitutes. Those substitutes are very are quite conservative, aren't they? I feel like he'll eh, bring attacking players on, but it's usually like for like you'll bring Willock on instead of Urzel or something. It's usually fairly. It's not you know often with Emery throw everyone on you know in, in desperation, but. <laughs> And generally, I kind of support him, but I wonder whether he might sit the City game. We can talk about, you know, yeah. we can't avoid the huge fact that we have to play Man City in two days' time. And I'm, I'm intrigued to know what he's going to do because he must feel like, right, he, he knows. He literally, didn't he? he? He was in charge practically the last time we played them and decided the tactics and knew all our weaknesses. Well, he must know their weaknesses now. I mean, of anyone in the whole fucking world. It's going to be fascinating, isn't it, what he does? I wonder. It's going to be interesting to see what tactics he deploys in this game because it's yeah. a really specific challenge and obviously a team he knows really well. So I think for us, we're quite excited to see if he comes up with something a bit different yeah. to what we've seen already. Um, I think that's going to be very interesting. I think aside from the Man City game... With Arteta, the one criticism I do have, and to, to kind of come back to your point, is the substitutions seem to be a little bit reactive at the moment. But I can mm. still imagine him being a manager for the first time, almost being in his own world a little bit. And this is where he yeah. needs his assistants to almost kind of push him and press him at 55, 60 minutes. Hey, we should be thinking about a change, or we should be thinking about a change at 50 minutes, and we make it at 60. I think at the moment, it's we think about it at 60, and we make it at 75. So that's probably my one criticism, but we have to remember this is pretty much his first job. Yeah. So he's going to learning yeah. on the job a little 
little bit. Um, and he's been lumbered, and he has not, hadn't had preseason. He's been lumbered with this yeah, gag, no gag rabble, you know, yeah. like this ill thought out squad. Absolutely, yeah, like super imbalanced. Yeah. I said it when I was here last time, but our midfield is absolutely diabolical. I know Xhaka has <laughs> been improved under Arteta, but yeah. I'm sorry, our midfield, I'm not a massive fan of Guendouzi. Torreira's injured, who's, who's done, he's actually done better since Arteta's come back in. But again, I don't think he's a long-term solution. Xhaka, I like, but he's just got too many mistakes in him. That midfield needs a complete rebuild. But yeah. you know, if we can bring in a player, a bit like Man United with Bruno Fernandes, that's going to make everyone else play 10% better. That's what's going to change the direction of this team. I don't think anything mm. Arteta can really do is going to change the direction. Uh, but yeah, it remains to be seen. You know, some... What do we think about Mari? 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 Mari, I think. Bang um, Mari, I think. Sorry, two, but... two clean sheets. <laughs> hard to judge. Yeah. I think if he plays at Man City and Wednesday, we might learn a little bit more about him, whether that's going to be good or bad. Uh, I don't know, but with the internal competition he's got, I think he deserves to keep his place. Yeah. Um, assumptions Mustafi won't, won't come back in if he's not fully fit and having missed a couple of games. He's done okay so mm. far. I thought he was he's, a bit nervy. Yeah. He made a couple of mistakes didn't he, early mean, on. You know, he's played Portsmouth and West Ham. He's, he's done what he's needed to do with two clean sheets. I mean, West Ham were pretty good. I, I think uh, <laughs> yeah. away to Man City um, yeah. will tell us a little bit more. Um, but he looks like a decent signing. And then just to Dean's point uh, previously, we're looking ahead to the summer now. I'm, I'm thinking whether things from a recruitment side of things need to turn to, back towards midfield. We know that we've got yeah. Saliba coming in. Yeah. If Pablo Marie can work out and we've got loads yeah. of centre-halves, just most of them aren't any good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we need good the kind of impact signing that maybe Fernandez, as, as Dean mentions, has, has had at Man United. It's a good point. Absolutely. Our midfield is weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah. uh, f- first of all... I don't feel like Sabayas like, had a really good game. Like his stats are, are pretty are brilliant, really. I mean, easily, you know, apart from um, apart from Leno, I felt he was our, our man of the match. He had a lot of control, a lot of and passes, sucker. and sucker. you know, and yeah, sucker. Mm. But I, it ended up weirdly with Shaka. Often seemed to be the most was the most advanced of the central of the two of them. He was quite too advanced for me because he because he you know I mean he had a couple of moments where he had some good passes, but equally he still gives it away and still. I just don't feel like I feel like we've incorporated. I feel like he's improved huge amounts, and we've like we've accepted him back into the fold. But he's not the answer, is he? He's like he's not. He can't be the answer. He's can coming he? from a low bar, so he's, he's coming improved, from a low bar. He, right. he's, he's improved a bit. I think we can acknowledge right. that. We he's need, still short of what the, we need. What, what struck, struck me is on, on Saturday is the reluctance to run with the ball from midfield is extraordinary. Like no one, like they're all trying to find a killer pass or, or just an easy pass. We're playing it back. We're constantly playing a kind of. Like a kind of um, uh, uh, yeah curved situation. We're kind of back, both forwards and backwards. We're kind of like playing it out wide, you know, yeah. co- constantly across a line. A very mm. rigid. It's very predictable. No one's running from midfield with the ball. It's incredible. Since Aaron Ramsey, basically, yeah, we need a, a new Ramsey, don't we, Nick? Don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, this is what you were saying about the midfield. I thought Sabios was fantastic. I really liked his play, and I like the I like the fact that he was passing forwards. Uh, yeah, he seems to be the only one that was. Yeah. So I, I I like this new position of him playing a little bit deep. So for me, I, I'm, I'm I quite like that. I hope we hope we sign him. Um, the rest of them, yeah. I, I, Shaka is he's slow. That's a problem. So mm. it's just not not just slow in passing the ball, but just slow. He lumbers around. Um, got a little bit better. I agree with that. Um, Gwendozi. You know, he's, he's, he's not really there, is he? So for me, second season dip, I think. Yeah, for so for yeah. He's, he's yeah. Just, I think positionally, he's yeah. never been great. He's no. always he's a really good like highlights player. If you ask me, very good on match of the day. Puts in big very tackles. enthusiastic, very enthusiastic. Yeah. Makes well, a, good a good few passes. Player. Yeah, eighteen year old player. I think who said it? Uh, was it? 
someone was on Sky Sports and somebody said that Arsenal have got a player from League Two in France playing in central midfield against Man United or something. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. that was just well, a eureka moment. Like, what the hell? I know that wasn't always like the benchmark yeah. of like how good a player is or you know how, how good they can be, but... It was just. I, I think our standards have dropped as well as a, as a, as a, as a, as a fan base. Yeah. We we're kind of willing to accept like Ceballos. I really like him. He's quite a nice player to watch. I don't think there's any real cutting edge with him as well. And I know I'm being a bit critical here, but I think that entire midfield needs a rebuild. I don't think we should waste our money signing a Ceballos. A Ceballos is nice when you've got a good solid foundation of a midfield already. Better, better, better to invest that money in a really amazing set of midfield player like Bruno Fernandes that's going to play in that kind of eight position in between the 10 and the number four or 10 and the, the holding midfielder and is going to drive the team forward like a Ramsey almost yeah. where he's yeah. going to run ahead of the play who's going to run with the ball at the moment we've got too many of the same mm. so I, I think who? Coutinho? Coutinho, mm. you know, we've got... Yeah, what's, like the, what's that agent's name? That yeah, we've pretty got? good. Yeah. Kia yeah. Drabshin, yeah. Oh, he's basically dictating who we sign at yeah, the moment. Yeah, of course. Is Mary... I wouldn't be surprised... He was at the game on Saturday, wasn't he, in, in, in the box? Celebrating like he probably yeah. celebrated for every other team yeah. as well. I don't buy it as well. I know I'm being quite cynical here, but I think we just need to kind of raise our standards again as a fan base. Think back to what we had like early 2000s, late 90s, early 90s as well. But financially, of, the club, is, is it realistic for the club to, to, to buy those 80, players? 80 million quid I on know. Pepe. But in, if we don't get, if we're not in Europe at all this season, let me remind you, which is a distinct possibility, you know, there's Probably, loads of probability. Would you prefer right that though? I'd prefer not to be in Europe would you? rather than in Europe. I think we need the revenue. I think we need the revenue. The money is a huge, I'm not close enough a to huge issue. The, the issues really. with the cash flow and, and right. all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Cash reserves are high though for Arsenal. Like They've got money in the bank. I know it's not just about that, but... I'm not sure I agree with that, but um, is that not in the financial statement? They've, got, they've got some real issues with right. uh, with cash flow and okay. obviously ownership issues with, with KC. Okay. Um, so I mean, Champions League. If they can get back in the Champions League, things can reset really yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, but that's, there is so much at stake, and if we don't get like that uh, that that Champions League spot, then a lot of things are going to have to change. And even if uh, Real Madrid wanted 20, 25 million for Ceballos, who, who might be worth it at that money that would probably be most of our, our summer budget and I wouldn't be happy spending that on him. I think it's absolutely imperative that we can somehow scrape that final spot, whether that's fourth or fifth, depending on what's going on with Man City, is going to be huge for what happens next season. Is it really that tight at the club? I remember reading some financial statements and like, the cash reserves were pretty strong for us. I know it was Swiss Ramble. If you, if you yeah, the latest, Swiss Ramble. Well, he's, he, he's great. He, he seemed to be... He, Clearly saying that if we if we missed it on Europe entirely, that yeah. would affect things. A lot. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I because think, I think also because we haven't got many players to sell, we haven't actually got that much value. You know, because even you know people are talking about you you've got to sell either Lacazette or Bamiang, but actually yeah. you know Aubameyang's thirty, isn't he? Lacazette isn't. They need to know. You're not going to get a huge amount of money for that to be transformative. Mm. It's not like when Liverpool did sell Coutinho. That was, you know, it's like selling at exactly the right time. That's where we we've got really any of those players. We've missed the trick. We've got the, yeah, opposite. We've got the opposite. We've got the opposite. Well opposite. Oh, massively, selling well yeah. is our issue. Yeah. But I think just back to the European football thing, I think from a fan's point of view, it sounds positive to miss out on the Europa League because yeah. you're out of that Thursday, Sunday grind. It's Nobody horrible. likes Europa League, half full stadiums. But from a club point of view, without that revenue, even though it's greatly reduced from the Champions League, uh, they need to have that revenue coming it's in. Still so, important money. Um, yeah. I think I'd yeah. rather be in it than not. Obviously, you'd rather be in the Champions League, um, but that is still looking a long shot. We I need think... to find the way to get in the Champions League. How, how are we going to do it? <laughs> well, we'll talk about, we'll talk about <laughs> if we're winning gonna... all our games. <laughs> we'll talk about how realistic that start. is. It's easy. We'll talk about how realistic that is, um, and also a couple of other things to talk about in the game. We need to talk about the goal, the, the, the VAR moment, and VAR in general after this break. 
I'm Josh Schneiderweiler. And I'm John McKenzie. We know that the football news cycle never slows down. But sometimes, don't you wish it did? On the Football Today podcast, we give you in-depth analysis of the most interesting stories from around the world of football. And hear from the most knowledgeable journalists in the game. You can listen to each episode in the time it takes for a single commute. So join us now and subscribe to Football Today, wherever you get your podcasts. So on that uh, podcast, that other general football podcast, they will be talking about Arsenal stuff, including, for example, um, whether or not they should jail racist football fans. A fan was jailed for two months in Brighton for racist acts at a Tottenham v Brighton game. And there are all kinds of implications for that. And they will be discussing that kind of thing. Um, moving on, we should talk about the VAR goal. Um, now, it's, it reminded me of the, again, away at Man United, we had an offside goal, um, which was given to us after the, after the flag was incorrectly raised. So it was quite a similar situation. My, 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 my feeling was that this one, this was a really long one, wasn't it? It felt like it went on for half a lifetime. And then when we saw it, when I watched it back on Match of the Day, it was like an instant, obviously, completely, obviously onside as soon as you looked at it. Well, started drawing the lines and all of that. So first of all, I mean, I, I, you know, I, everyone suddenly starts joking, oh, you know, in favour of VAR, because we wouldn't have won that game without VAR giving us that, that thing. But the bigger picture, I guess, is VAR is intensely irritating. Raymond, what's your feeling? Um, I think when the flag went up, obviously, and it killed the celebration, that's obviously a real shame when you look back on it. But uh, in the old pre-VAR days, we'd have had no goal and no, and, uh, and no celebration either. So, obviously, we take the positives from that. But... Obviously, when they confirmed that they were looking at it and the longer it went, the yeah. more confident I became. And I could see it. I was watching the bench. I could see a few of the backroom staff giving the thumbs up to the team on the pitch. And oh, really? It, and it looked oh. like uh, they were getting positive. And what you might have noticed is, is they actually showed the final decision on the screens, the ones with the, 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 uh, the vertical lines going up to the armpits and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And that is a recent change that they've only been doing since January, um, which is kind of feedback that the Premier League have had to give more communication, if you like, to the fans in the ground. Because obviously the TV viewer gets it all, all the, all the reviews, all the horizontal lines, all the vertical lines. But they've now shown when a decision like that is overturned on offside. It was only very brief blink and you'll miss it on Saturday, but they did show the final graphic. That I must have blinked because I did er- miss it. That Urza was on right. Side. I think I was too busy celebrating. Nick, it's, uh, yes, I saw it. Did you? What, what's, your, what's your feeling about VAR and about the fact that I mean, in principle, I'm completely against it. I'd get rid of it tomorrow. And yet, actually, really? yeah, I just think it's complete, complete load of old nonsense. Gosh, I'm surprised. No, you're, you're, I, fa- I, I you're, like you're it, favourite yeah. before we were given that goal. Yes. Well, yeah, no, given it. No, I mean, no, I correctly. Re- I really like it. I mean, what I don't like is when Spurs get all these. You know, yeah. Diving all over the place, but <laughs> apart from that, but for example, I, so, I like it. I think it's great. I think it's really um, added something to, to the game. And I hate it when teams, you know, get something out of nothing when they shouldn't do. So yeah, for me, it's it's great. I really like it. Really great. But what about, for example, like in, even in the game on Saturday, Lacazette had a penalty shout, a pretty decent penalty shout. I think he was clearly being pulled, you yeah. know. And then at the end, and that 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 seemed to be an obvious error to me that should have. Shouldn't VAR be sorting that out? Isn't that it a- seemed a bit weird to me, but the way my interpretation of it, not that it makes any more sense, is that because the foul started outside the box, it would have been a free kick, but the ref can't go back and give a free kick for anything that's not serious foul play or violent conduct. But if conduct. it continues into the box, then it becomes a penalty, doesn't it? I think. I, I think it's, it's when it, where the foul starts. So when it's... Uh, 
you know, like a sliding tackle or, uh, you know, just basically man-on-man man man handling kind of thing. Um, I think if the referee had given it, he would most likely have given a free kick outside the box and not a pen. Therefore, they could, the VAR could not turn it into a pen. I'm kind of guessing at this, but that was my interpretation of why they viewed it, mm. but then didn't uh, say penalty. I think the issue with VAR is, you know, the reason we wanted VAR was to just eradicate those horrifically bad decisions that were just costing games. We were never, ever too, like, upset about the marginal, like, millimetre offsides, were we, where it was touch and go and you can only really see, you can really tell with the naked eye, right, whether it was offside or not. I think what we wanted it to do was eradicate the really bad decisions. I don't think it has done that completely because it's just moved a subjective decision from one person to another who's now making another bad decision. But the problem now you have is people in a van in Stockley Park with a lack of accountability absolutely anywhere about the decision that that person is making... That is when it becomes a bit of an issue. And I think if you're going to persist with VAR, which I'm with you, Boyd, I think it's against the essence of the game. You know, football is football and it's old saying it evens itself over the, the course of a season. But I know we've had our, you know, our fair share of poor decisions, let's be honest. 49th game, we won't go there. Um, but I just think if you're going to use VAR, mm. use it for clear and obvious errors and send the referee to the pitch side monitor. That's yeah. what you need well, to that's do. Start, I, that's starting to happen too. To a little bit. Uh, one. Yeah, it was starting. I mean, but then, yeah. you have one game where the ref does that and another game where the ref does the opposite. It's the first season in, the, first in, this, season, in the Premier League. It's going to take my, time. It's here's my get question, Nick, though. Here's, here's why I object to it. For, it's, it's a, it we're now getting situations, and our game a bit was like this, but there was also, I think, De Gea, De Gea in, the, in the Man United game stopped, didn't he? Like, didn't just gave because the flag. Now, no, oh, no whistle though. No whistle, right. So I'm not, I'm saying it was idiotic of him, but in the moment, you understandable. You know, when when the, when you're, I, I feel the officials are making decisions in marginal situations, thinking oh, it's all right, it's going to be checked by VAR. But in reality, on the pitch, that means weird situations where players don't know whether they should stop. You know, and and you know, or, or, you, you definitely lower, you don't need your concentration, you lower your effort almost subconsciously when a decision has been made like that and you're flat, it's flagged off something. It happened yesterday in the it Manchester happened. derby, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, yeah, Very exactly. Early. But then they have to adapt. You know, the players have to yeah. adapt. Okay. It's like the fans and, the, and, and everyone but has it to can't adapt. Be, but it's weird, isn't it, for, 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 for officials to make decisions, think, and they're also thinking that it will be checked by VAR. I, don't, I feel like that's inherently not right. I think the problem's the referees. <laughs> I think, you know, more investment in having the highest calibre of referee we possibly but can. there'd always be mistakes, wouldn't there? I know, but I think the, the amount of mistakes at the moment is not great. If you look at the, was it the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge against, I don't know who, Tottenham? And who, who got away with a red card for stamping on somebody's yeah, shin? Yeah. Celso. And that was no really, no different really to Aubameyang's at Crystal oh, Palace, yeah. which has basically cost us two points. Yeah. So well, that's the question for Nick, isn't it? Again, if, if it's not going to, if you're going to mm. still get inconsistency with VAR, and the whole point of it was to, was to sort out inconsistency, wasn't it? And to kind of give us factual base. It, it can't do what it's trying to do, can well, it? Well, I think it's better. I, I don't think it's worse. So I, I, I accept it's not perfect. Um, but... Um, I'd say that the um, the goal that we that we got um, it was flagged offside. So yeah. of course they're not going to want to get make a wrong decision. So I actually think maybe over time it'll actually improve uh, their decision making. The opposite of actually what you're saying, maybe. But only time's going to tell. It's very early. I I, I think it's. This, I, I, I think that I feel more confident that you know that we, there's going to be less mistakes and okay. that, and. Okay. Um, you know, that we, we got three points because of it. The stadium experience is still weird, though, isn't it? Like, I know you said they showed the final 
image to prove it was it was onside. But there was a long way. People st- it was funny because people started booing about it. And then they were like, they realised actually the reason it's taking so long is because we actually were going to be given this this goal. It's, what was happened in the meeting you had, that you were at present at? So I, the- I went to a meeting on Thursday at uh, Highbury House, which is uh, just around the corner from Arsenal Station, uh, which was actually called by the Premier League, where they wanted to meet with uh, supporters. They've had it at other clubs. Uh, and basically it was presented by... Um, Chris Foy, uh, ex-Premier League ref. He's about three years retired, but he still works within the game. Uh, and basically some presentations and some explanation of some of the most high-profile decisions slash errors, whatever you want to call it, that have happened so far this season and just reviewing it and understanding what the decision-making is, talk about the use of the pitch-side monitors, when they are used, when they're not used, talked about the people who are viewing the incidents at Stockley Park. And it was very much, uh, and, and credit to the Premier League on this, it was very much based on what the fans in the stadium need. So acknowledging that the TV viewer basically gets everything they need as far as yeah. the analysis, all the footage, understanding what the area is that's, uh, that's contentious, but really understanding in the, the stadiums that have the screens, uh, what they want to see, what they want to show, various other things like that, which is why the, the graphic that I referred to earlier, that was a change that they've made mid-season, in that they're showing that in the stadium but- now when such a decision is over. Turned. But they're never going to show properly contentious issues, are they? They can't. They, they, I mean, they don't even show. They won't allow. Um, uh, they won't allow clubs to show any contentious issue. You know, like pa- penalties, because they don't trust the crowd to keep to keep calm. They, and why, why would that change? Change with VAR. They, I bet penalty decisions, for example, controversial moments. They'll never show those, will they? Because they don't. They think people get will get furious about it and start rioting. Well, if you think back to the, the penalty that Zahar got for Palace at uh, Emirates back earlier this season, that would now be shown when it was overturned, because originally he got a yellow card for diving, they, based on what the Premier League told us on Thursday, really? they will now be showing that information on the screen to show why the decision has been overturned. But then you look at the, go- the goal that we got in the same game, with, which Socrates scored, yeah. um, mm. was given for a foul on Chambers. Even if they showed us that bit of footage, we probably wouldn't even spot what it was, but that's going back uh, six months or so now. Yeah. I wonder what I, I, I find it. I think it, was, I think it was a positive meeting because okay. they want to get the feedback. And just to your point earlier about you know get rid of it or, or whatever, um, I think it's year one, and every sport that has introduced TV um, analysis or TV decision making, TMO, whatever you want to call it, DRS, they've made some tweaks after the first season, mm. and then after the season, season after that, they make further tweaks until they get it. So I think in year one, it was never going to be did perfect they, in the Premier League. Did they admit they've, they, they're clearly discouraging referees from looking at the screen themselves? That is a part of it. They need to be advised. So really, it's all about the timing. So, for example, if you stop and then the referee who's in charge of the game has to run all the way over to the, to the, uh, the touchline to view it, view it three or four times... Um, the people at Stockley Park are viewing those incidents within five seconds while, in theory, the game is still going on so that they can, they can let the referee know whether he needs to change a decision. So it's more to do with the flow because if you think back to the World Cup uh, where the pitch side monitors was used a lot mm. but there was a significant delay to all of that and that is what um, the, the Premier League were trying to avoid that continually the, 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 the man in charge having to run over to the touchline, view the footage, view it again, view the replay ask for uh, version number two, and that's where the Stockley Park thing comes in and they can advise him. But it, that took ages in, in the game, in the offside. That took ages. And I feel like well, if he just ran yeah, over... No, it was, no, it was close. That's why. It was, it's yeah. just, it because they have to do all the calculations. They have close. to put all those horizontal lines in, vertical lines in, all that kind of stuff. And, and I know, I get the frustration that it takes time, but at the end, the right decision was reached. And I think if you're going to have VAR, okay. you need to 
uh, invest the time to get the right decision. Okay. Invest the technology as well. Surely there's technology available where those lines can be drawn pretty much immediately, you know, when a game's going on. And then we can find that. Well, it's like in tennis, isn't it? Up. It's like a part, part of the game, isn't it? For the spectators. But then you, but yeah, on but those, you're talking about pitch markings that don't move. These are players right, who exactly. either are in line or aren't exactly. in line. So there's no, yeah. there's no template for that, if you like. Yeah, yeah they've got the template sure, of the but pitch. Te- technology is going to change. And... I'm sure it will, and they'll invest in it, and it, but they'll need to make some adjustments. Yeah. I think you'd be throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater to try and get rid of it now, except that it's year one. And we'll get some, and we won't get some. And as we've seen this, this season, I don't know, we're probably about 50-50 now. Um, but they'll make some adjustments, and hopefully it'll be better for everybody, including the fans in the stadium. Um, on, a, on, a, on a less controversial note, well, hopefully that's controversial, unless you, um, you had a, you know, unless you rioted on the, to the London Football Awards, Nick. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a good night, wasn't it? It was yeah, Dermot right. hosted. Yes. Um, he'll, be on, he'll be on the guest on the, this podcast soon, well, hopefully. He said, and he said it was a gooner, wasn't he, up on the stage, which was nice to hear. Of course. Yeah. Never going never gonna to hide that. I, yeah. thought we did it, I thought we did a brilliant job, considering it's a weird, it's a, the Roundhouse, quite a big... Um, it was all for cha- it's kind of like an awards thing, but it's really a, a, a night to raise money for Bob Wilson's brilliant charity. Yeah. Um, and so it's all about raising money. There was auctions and stuff, as well as actual awards. Oh, I, I won something, actually. What did you win, Nick? You know, the, those gold football boots that were oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. signed by Jeff Hurst. Oh, nice. that was oh that's good. That was good. Yeah. There were kind of random bits of art um, displayed. Bruce Buck was there. It was, it was quite funny. Dermot was made a reference him to Larry David, which I thought was good because he was quite. <laughs> Bruce Buck was kind of like riffing and like being yeah. trying to be quite funny. Yeah. Um, Tammy Abraham won both yeah. Player of the Year and Young about? Player of I mean, the Year. What's that all about? Yeah, I Don't thought get that, that was, no. I, I thought it was, considering Aubameyang was up, for example, for Player of the Year. Martinelli was nominated. Leno was nominated for goalkeeper of the year. None of our people won. Furious, but it was a bit. It was a good night. Yeah, but good the, night. the highlight, I think we had. Fun. I think we had the same highlight of the night, which was Meeting for me, George, George, Graham. George Graham. Is that the first time you met George Graham? No, second one. Does he know that you had that George I, knows yes, banner? I told him. Yeah, I think he's forgotten. But uh, did you mind? I, him? I told him that the first. No, I didn't tell him <laughs> okay. this time. Do you but constantly what, go on no, about? No, but I was talking about the 1971 uh, when we won the league at White Hart Lane and him being on the pitch. And I said, talk me through it. And he said, yes, I saw Ray going up for the goal. It was, it was fantastic hearing that first. Yeah, round. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. George, George is absolute. He was my first proper managerial hero, yeah. yeah. And still, I mean, still looking dapper. Um, and it was brilliant. Yeah, I got a photo yeah. taken with him. You got a photo taken yeah. with him. Was, we, were, we were Frank as well, wasn't we? And Frank, with Frank, Frank McIntyre was there. Yeah. I know they weren't sat together for some reason. David Dean was there as well. David, David Dean was there. David, David yeah. Dean. It was, it was a glorious night. It, you know, it was, it was, um, it was brilliant it was nice. from that point of view. Well, there were lots of kind of... Quite, you know, you know when it's kind of like you need rich people to bid for these things. So, you, and there's a sense of entitlement, isn't it? We've got lots of rich people at these tables, like you know, won't shut up, won't focus, won't concentrate. I think that's you know, they need to. Be, it's just cor- it's got, quite corporate, isn't it? Cor- very, quite corporate. It has to be because they're trying to raise as much money as yeah. possible. Which I understand, but they need they need to yeah. they need to quieten down. And uh, that's my message for next year's London Football <laughs> Awards. You'll be pleased to know. Um, so we've got this fuck, this game against City. Feels like, I mean, it just feels. A, it was rescheduled very much at the last minute, which for, for fans is, is grotesque, isn't it? Bad news. Yeah, Bad I, news. I mean, there, I know there's a couple of people who had uh, Wednesday and Thursday booked off expecting to be in a European tie. Um, yeah. So they didn't have to change their plans, which worked out well for some of them. But it's really short notice. But then when you look at the schedule, and we're obviously trying to stay in the FA Cup for as long as possible, which could mean two further league postponements. Um, and it, it, if we didn't play it this weekend, it would have created large problems for us at the end of the season. Yeah, so it, it's not ideal. I get why they're doing it. 
Um, it's a weird 7.30 kick-off because they're clearly going up, Sky clearly going to go up against BT. We've got Champions League on the other night and hope our game's good, which seems weird scheduling for them. Yeah. Um, but late notice, it's not great for the fans. Getting back from Manchester by train, you've got no chance at that time of night. So um, away end is sold out. It's, you know, as much as we complain, we're still selling it out. Oh, so, is it sold out? I didn't yeah, ask it, it, it's okay. still sold out. Because Arsenal are subsidising the coach, aren't they? They're doing coaches, yeah. yeah. Just... Good if you live, uh, you know, around the corner from the stadium, <laughs> if you live in the home <laughs> yeah. counties or somewhere else yeah. like that, and you have to travel into yeah. there to then get the coach, but well, nothing's going to be perfect. Three pick-up okay. oh, okay. Okay, well, good for them. So they, they, they are doing, they are making an effort. It's, mm. a li- it's very much outside their control, but from the scheduling point of things, I think from the match, I would just... I was worried about our momentum and, and really, you know, because we're going to have to do really well to get any kind of result, whether that's going to stop our momentum. But then if you look in the terms of performances, we don't really have the momentum there. But we'll, mm. uh, we'll see what happens on the night. But we haven't got a result up there for a, quite a few years now. Do you th- oh, go on. Well, I was gonna say, I'm actually in Manchester for work. Oh, nice. So, you know, they say make the job work for you and all that. So yeah. works out quite well and I'm staying over for the night as well. So no, oh, you're love- back you're, to London, you're- no train. You're, you're laughing. laughing. As long as you're right, you know what? It's all good. It's all yeah, right, that's yeah. all good. Do you think, <laughs> bearing in mind, um, do you, if you watch the match, the Manchester yeah. derby, and I thought actually tactically, Ole, Ole Solskjaer did, did a brilliant right. job, didn't he? Yeah, he's won so three they, out of four against City this right, season. Right, they ceded possession pretty much to City. You know, they'd had much less possession. You know, it was a bit like an Arsenal West Ham situation if West Ham had actually beaten us, which they didn't. But they ceded possession. Um, they kept it tight and they got that goal, which was, you know, key. Um, and City didn't only had, like, I think, for them, like six, seven shots or something. Unusual. On goal. Yeah, they weren't great. I think it was a bad result for us, both in the context of United winning, but then also yeah. the pressure that City are going to be under Wednesday night. <laughs> of they just lost the derby game. Of course. They're at home. That could go against us, oh, but I think 100%. there are lessons to be learned to the way to play City. But obviously we like to think that Arteta has already got a good understanding of that. Um, but they will definitely be under more pressure. Seeing them lose to Man United and Arsenal in the space of four days well, would be a pretty pressure, not such a bad unlikely. Like, like Liverpool lost two in a row, didn't they? So yeah, yeah. You never, you never know. Can't, they, might, they might as well have just um, lost their edge in the league a little bit because they know oh, that they're not going to win a league. Undeniable. They're yeah. pretty much safe for top four. They're in a bit of no man's land. All of their eggs are in a certain basket, which is to beat Real Madrid next week and win the Champions League. So, you know, maybe they've lost good that point. 5%, but I agree with Raymond. The worst result possible on the weekend. Like, there's, it's their first home game in five games as well. They've been all across Europe and Wembley and they've had a couple of away games yeah. in the Cup and the league. So... You think that the stadium's going to be pretty much packed out and, you know, they call it the empty had, but it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a full house and they're going to be bouncing and expecting a response. So, you know, I think if we can come away from this game with some sort of result, you know, um, not leaving, you know, Manchester with our tail between our legs like we've done many times before, I think it's a good thing. So I agree, our momentum was what good. Tactic, what would you go for? Would you go for the Man United-style performance they did? Three at the back, wing-backs. Well, not, I mean, not literally that, that, but I mean, like, quite, being quite defensive and being quite, keeping it tight and, you know, ceding possession to them. I or would so. you Would you play our normal game that we're playing at the moment? Play the fuck, normal game. Would you? Yeah, <laughs> what is our normal game? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> basically playing, we are, at the moment, we're, we're, possession-wise, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're doing pretty well. It's just not creating enough chances. I think that's the issue. I think Manchester City at home are very different to Manchester City away. So, well, mm. well they're, they're, obviously they're good wherever they play at the moment, but Manchester United almost caught them by surprise by not 
taking the initiative and you know being yeah. on the front foot. Yeah. And Manchester City really didn't know at how home, to they're at home. Man City yeah. know how they're going to play at home on Wednesday, yeah. which is on the front foot. They're going to keep the pressure up. They're going to press us whenever we've got the ball. I think we just need to get through the first fifteen minutes. What we do in these games is we we concede early and we yeah. really set ourselves up for a really difficult ninety yeah. minutes. So just first twenty minutes, I don't want to see any really fannying around at the back. Yeah. Just get it up the pitch. Yeah, play long. That's why I want Aubameyang up front as well because he is a real threat. And if you it's put Aubameyang as number nine, well, let's see, let's see, boy, let's see. I mean, I'm always hopeful. <laughs> I, I think I think, up front. I think it'll be Lacazette and Aubameyang. Uh, I'm yeah, not sure. I think Aubameyang yeah. up front. I and think he's going to go for five in the midfield to really pack it out uh, four at the back um, and we'll see how we get on but I think just come out of that game with, okay, yeah. with our respect. yeah for me I don't know about you but for me like I, I'm I, my, my expectations are so low that if we I mean if we got a draw it'd be fantastic I'd if we get a consolation goal we'll be happy uh, no I'm, I'm joking, joking I'm joking right now I think, <laughs> I think the slow starts are what concerns me yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know in a game like this you could be 2-0 down after 12 right. minutes and, and so it's right. over so you look at some of the recent results although we've uh, done okay and got some decent results and got some wins as far as getting off to a fast start and uh, you know winning the game in, in the in the first half, it's just not happening at the moment. Another slow start on Saturday, slow start against Olympiacos as well in both the home and away legs. That is a concern for me because again, like I said, a match like this, slow start slow, uh, the game can be all over mm. after twenty minutes. Nick, not our record against City is terrible, but. Our record against the top six is, 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 is universally terrible, isn't it? It's like we, are, we struggle against all of the, 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 the big teams. So do you have any optimism at all? You are one of our most optimistic guests ever. Yeah, do you, you. Do you have any optimism for the game? Good, it's how it should be, Nick. I think it's good to be optimistic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, before every game, I think we're going to win. So, of course, I'm going to say that. Um, well, I'm going to test that with an actual prediction in a minute. Yeah, but okay. okay, I think we're going to win. I, think, I really <laughs> do think we're going to win. Do you? We're going to get a fluky winner. I love it. 2-1. Wow. Fluky. Extraordinary. We've, we've had three big games under Arteta. Chelsea yeah. away, Chelsea at home, and Man United at home. And we've played well oh, that's a good we point. in all of them. That's a good point. I feel like he's going to set us up well in the big games. Yeah. Uh, and I'm confident on that front, and but I just think they're too good for us. I had a dream that, because um, Arteta and um, uh, uh, Pep are so, such good mates, that I had this very detailed dream in which I overheard in a restaurant. Where's this going, Boyd? This is, all this is going. Okay. No, Pep, Pep was basically th- saying, <laughs> I've told the team to let you win, it's all going to be fine, because they're such good mates. This was my, and it was one of those so real, I hate people telling the dreams, they're so boring, but it was so realistic that I, half in my mind, I'm like, did someone tell me they overheard in a restaurant <laughs> Pep saying he was going to throw the game? But that was my vivid, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, I think it's fine. But in reality, I feel feel like Pep's going to... Someone, someone, I heard someone on the radio, they did radio preview today and someone said something like, oh, you know, what incredible tactic is Pep going to come up with? Because he did that brilliant tactical performance in Europe. You know, what is he going to come up with? Again? So I'm like, he doesn't need to come up with anything. He's playing us. We're manifestly inferior in almost every level. Yeah. You know, we're going to lose. But maybe, do you, Raymond, do you have any optimism? I think we could, we, we could, we have a decent chance of getting a point. Okay. My concern is this whole stat about Arsenal's last away win against the top six. You know, you yeah. just kind of reprise that. It was that City, and, wasn't it? I think a few years ago, it was I think he might be right, actually. Yeah, that's the, that's the last yeah. win away to Jesus. Away that was a long time ago. And that was the Cazorla Cazorla, Giroud yeah. days, I think, yeah. uh, which is a <laughs> while. But it's got to change at some point. Um, it's just if we can avoid that slow start, um, I think sit back a little bit, let them have the ball, try and get them on the break uh, might be the way to go. Um, I think we've got confidence that we can, we can do something up there. I'll be astonished if we get a win, but um, I fa- quite fancy us for a point. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Um, so you're, I'm going to get your actual score prediction now. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Like 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to like go 3-1. I think it's going to be 3-1. I'm going to be realistic rather than optimistic for once. I'm, I'm always trying to be optimistic. I'm going to win 3-1. No, they're going to win 3-1. <laughs> um, no, I knew that. Uh, 
I'm also I, I, from every podcast on now. I'm going to ask all the guests how we think where we're going to get at the end of the season. Are we, do we now? Looking, I was quite optimistic last week. I thought we were going to get fifth because it'll be you know a the story of, of Man City not being able to compete. Arteta getting that position. I thought that all made sense. Now I'm worried about United. I mean, they're they're really with Bru, with Bruno etc. That shows you the, the 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 power of a of a signing of a proper really good player, doesn't it? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's signing someone in January. Signing someone in January. Play straight yeah, away. They also never oh, signing in January never helped. Yes, <laughs> they fucking can. He's clearly, he's a brilliant player, and he's and he's already raised them. The whole fucking it, it, so that's really annoying. That's me. a sign of a good player that improves yeah, everyone around. Absolutely, them. That's yeah. So that's really good. annoying me. I'm also, also the Chelsea result really annoyed me. Um, so I feel now I'm like I don't know. I feel sixth feels like you know that would be fine, and I don't feel we are going to get. I feel like I'm wavering between fifth and sixth. I definitely think we can get fourth. What's it, Nick? But you're, as Mister Oct- yes. are you actually telling me I, now we're going to finish fifth? Fifth, okay. Yeah. Raymond, well we've got a game in hand on Liverpool, so when you add it all up. <laughs> right I think maybe We've uh, still got to play Liverpool haven't we? we have Six, yeah. Sixth is more likely We've got to play Liverpool at home Spurs away um, The rest of the Spurs uh, away The, yeah, the rest shit. of the fixtures Are not too bad Yeah um, But On obviously paper. We've, got, we've got City away to come Before that as well um, So my concern is that We'll have a bad defeat in there And then struggle to recover So I'm going for sixth Yeah Yeah I can, I can see that theory Quite, quite well actually if you, when, look at the, Dean, if you look at the run-ins, like Man United's run-ins is pretty fucking easy yeah, as well. Yeah, they on Sky yesterday, didn't they? Yeah. But then they've struggled against those teams, but maybe Bruno's added a dimension. Yeah, but that's that. I think looking at our fixture, Wednesday will tell you know, us as fans a lot about how we're going to perform yeah. in the big games under Arteta. Yeah. I don't think we've got the personnel. Oh, by the way, is De Bruyne, is he going to be back for that game? Or is it, is hopefully not. I mean, if he is, then that's... The, that's Apparently he's resting in for the Art Namja. Oh, um, God. You know, okay. and I like, he'd probably be back and yeah. fit and firing. But yeah. you know what? Let's see how we go Wednesday. Yeah. I'll come back to you on this. If we perform well and we take something... Because we've got a couple of big games and we played well in a big game, so you never know. It might just turn around that we we're actually a good team in the. Big if we get now. any kind of result on on Wednesday, if we yeah. get a draw or a win, then I'm then I'm then fifth is back on. Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, fourth is not out of the question. And if Leicester lose tonight, fourth again, is not out of the question. If, if they lose to Villa tonight, Leicester, okay. they could very easily go on a poor run. They've got is it United. Some, they've got a tough game on they've the got weekend t- as yeah, well. Yeah. We have and then we have them in a few weeks, weeks also, don't we? Yeah. yeah we have so Leicester look, away and Wolves away also in there. You never but know. I think we've got Brighton away and then we've got uh, Norwich at home. It's a lot but, more twists yeah. and turns, isn't there? So yeah. Six points there, and that's you know, they're big. Okay. What could possibly go wrong? Well, yeah. We'll call it third. Round it up. Round it up. Maybe we can't win it, can we? Um, on that, on that surreal note, I think um, we'll call it third. You may have given us the title of the of the podcast. So thanks for that. Um, My pleasure. Uh, thanks very much to Nick, Dean, and Raymond. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on on Wednesday with the City game. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.